Today's story concerns adult subject matter for mature listeners. If that's not your cup of tea, or there are youngsters listening, please skip this one and come back for another story another time. You're listening to The Voice of Dog, and today's story is the first of two parts of Bragging Rights by Sakara Fox and Rob McWolf, who, if they had a dollar for each time they've collaborated, would have three dollars. Which isn't a lot, but it's interesting it's happened repeatedly, most recently in When the World Was Young, an anthology from the Furry Historical Fiction Society. You can find more of their stories on their respective SoFurry galleries. Read by Dirt Coyote, lately of Twitter.com. Please enjoy Bragging Rights by Sakara Fox and Rob McWolf, Part 1 of 2. A full moon hung low in the sparkling night sky. Its silvery light streamed through the pines and skittered across the deathly still lake. But the night was still young and the warbling coos of pigeons still echoed from the treetops where they huddled in cozy nests. The hustle and bustle of the lakeside camp had slowly begun to wind down. The clacking of napstones and scrape of sleds faded into eager voices that gossiped and giggled. For the Lintvoe, chores ended at sunset. So without so much as a moment's hesitation, they had set down their stone tools and hung the last of their fresh pelts to dry committing to their leisure as diligently as they had set to work at dawn. They gathered in groups, some stoking fires beside the still lake, shouting and laughing as they drank and roasted the day's catch of pike and brim. Others, however, took to the warmth of their large, pointed Levu shelters. Sakura was among the latter, flanked by a four-strong warband of rowdy companions, plus one taciturn rearguard. But rather than spears, they each carried a clay jug, the sickly white contents sloshing back and forth as they waltzed towards the shelter without a care in the world. Besides being kin, as all Lentevoy were, they didn't seem much alike. From the quiet and scrawny fox that was Sakura, to the grizzled otter in graying fur and scarred sides, to the stocky lynx who belted out a war cry for no other reason than drunken shenanigans, to the hyena who followed behind and remained by far the quietest. But the Lentivoi were well enough used to these, well, not rituals. For these weren't what you would call rituals, especially not if Sana the shaman were in earshot. These were all-night gatherings, between these hunters specifically and the tribe paid the ruckus no more mind than they would the horses neighing in the night breeze. Soon enough, they found their shelter, marked by a piece of blackened ivory hanging over the entryway. The cover was set aside, and within they spied a toasty fire, its flickering light making the heavy reindeer hide walls glow. It emboldened the crude hunting depictions daubed upon them the deer appearing to leap across the shelter, though perhaps they would not look so animated to hunters who had not drunk quite so much. With all the grace of an avalanche, they piled inside. Sakura wisely stood back and waited until the scrum of flailing half-naked hunters had squeezed inside, 
then neatly slipped in behind them and pulled the cover shut. Lads, Tookie, the older, not old, he would insist sharply if he needed to. Otter raised a jug. Here's to us who take care of what needs to be done without distractions. The others followed his example and drank, save the hyena nearest the door, who professed no taste for kumis. What's that mean, then? He leaned forward and asked the fox next to him, once his muzzle was no longer occupied with the jug. He means, the fox, who very evidently did not at all share the hyena's reluctance to partake, like us. He waved a paw around the sweat lodge, generally, if unsteadily, taking in the gathering of males. Martin, lynx, badger, otter, hyena, and, oh yes, fox. Mustn't forget himself. Stripped naked, or mostly, and relaxing in the steam coming off the fire-heated rocks before it billowed out the hole at the top. Initially scented with handfuls of lavender, the steam rapidly absorbed the scent of musk and sweat. One might be forgiven for wondering how so many drunken hunters could stand the smell of each other. Did they like it or something? The hyena, still stubbornly in his loincloth and vest, thank you, crossed his arms. What kind of distractions, Sakura, do we, he cast an uncertain eye around the sweat lodge, not have. His scent was muted, but unmistakably there, metallic and rich, like a long-used cooking spit. You know, grinned the Martin, though nobody asked him. We're the ones who aren't going to be putting any whelps in anybody's belly. His scent was sharp and peppery, like wild brassica. That's one way to put it, Sakura shrugged and shuffled towards the hyena. He pressed his shoulder to Connor's, enjoying the prickly sensation of his short, coarse fur brushing against it. I have my own way of putting it. Connor's steely gaze was fixed on Sakura, an eternal frown etched into his grizzled muzzle. It didn't so much as flinch as the fox leaned over and pressed his cold nose to the hyena's lips. Nor did it appear to provoke him when he felt something firm grope his long, leather loincloth. I see, the hyena mumbled matter-of-factly, giving the fox a gentle but assertive shove. As drunk as he was, Sakura took the hint and shrank back. The hyena often needed space, and he respected that. After all, Connor had been through a lot in his twenty-two summers of strife. Each of the countless scars that shredded his sinewy body was like a boulder, tied to his waist by an unbreakable cord that would keep him from moving forward. But Sakura told me the Lentovi are not hostile to men such as us. Behavior such as this. So why a special place? Connor asked and cocked his head to the side curiously. Do they merely tolerate us? It was a fair question, admittedly. Some tribes did not tolerate, though they were the exception. A good chief knew not to let hate fester within their fellow hunters, 
lest they risk a knife in the chest or a famine when the valuable hunters up and left. Not at all, yapped the lynx, which didn't clarify much, but his eyelids were drooping as he swayed unsteadily on his backside. When he finished, the thick-scented lynx tipped his head back and gulped greedily from the jug again. And if there had been anything else he'd meant to say, it was apparently forgotten. The tribe's got no qualms with men like us, Tuki chimed in. His ottery musk rode over the top of the cacophony of male smells, saturating the steam like an ocarina over the sound of drums, and his voice commanded a rich wealth of wisdom, no matter how young he tried to act. A good tribe, a strong tribe, takes care of the whelps, of course, but not too many. Oh, they're precious. And you'll not hear me say different, but there are also mouths to feed. You want more hunters than you want fathers, if you get what I mean, the Martin chimed. More folks bring food in than bearing children to eat it. All you are too young to remember, Tuki said gravely before he was interrupted by groans, paused to shout them down, took another drink, and then remembered what he was going to say. Back when I was still a whelp, we did starve. Game was all gone. We were living on only fruit and roots and even, he spat into the fire, leaves. When the drought summer hit and all the fruit shriveled, the elders had to choose. Feed themselves or feed us young folk. He took another long drink, which is why now you get to like I'm old even when I'm still in my prime. He sat back down, legs lazily spread as if in punctuation. The murmur of understanding agreement Connor had been about to speak retreated in haste from the sight of the not old, still in his prime, otter's endowment on full display. So you're saying that now, the Martin raised an eyebrow, we don't have to worry about a famine, because having us means the tribe doesn't have as many babies. Well, Tuki said, it also helped if some of you would listen when I tell you to be careful about overhunting. Yeah, Sakura chimed in. Respect your elders. And got Tuki's discarded buckskin thong flung in his face for his troubles. It sounds to me, said the lynx with feigned innocence, like we need to give the big strong warrior a proper welcome. The last apart from Connor to still be wearing anything, he busily proceeded to unfasten his kilt. Putting yourself forward for the opportunity, the marten bristled. Just practicing hospitality. The lynx leaned backwards across the marten to toss his kilt atop the Martin's breechcloth and leggings and took the opportunity to relax atop the other male's lap. And why should he prefer your hospitality to mine? Tuki's whiskers quivered. Young vigor's fine while you've got it, but I've got experience, you know. You could all learn a thing or two from someone who's had time to figure out what he's doing. 
you know, it wasn't ever just our horses that made the other tribes envious. I would go so far to say my personal touch sealed more than a few trades. I just enjoy the company, rumbled the deep but kindly voice of the badger, earthy and soft like his scent who lifted his arm from the other side of the comparatively tiny Martin to shrug. I'm sure you'll find we're all fun lads. I've had most of them. I would only advise that you wary of this one, he explained and softly squeezed the Martin under his arm. What's there to be wary of? The Martin barked back stubbornly, squirming free of the badger and the lynx and coming to... Well... He hardly towered over the badger, even in this arrangement. The Martin cocked his head to the side and tapped his foot patiently on the dry grass and fur. You came in my eye. Felt like it was going to pop for days. The badger grumbled, cupping the formerly afflicted eye with an oversized paw for emphasis. A chuckle went around the room at this revelation and the lynx even gave the Martin an encouraging pat on the back. Connor remained unmoved, still nervously eyeing each of the hunters carefully before, at last, he came to his dear Sakura. In a very rare display, Connor gripped the fox's paw and gave him a tug. It was a show of vulnerability, one so fleeting you could blink and miss it. Sakura almost did miss it enraptured in the unfurling banter before them. The point is, Tookie half-shouted over the den, the tribe has no problem with any man laying with another man. Just because I know what a good cock tastes like doesn't make me any less of a Ladovi, and they know that. But we still, now and then, have to have a night all to ourselves, right? A place that's for the fox's gigantic grin vanished in an instant as he turned to acknowledge the hyena. The look on Connor's face was grim, even more so than its usual corpse-like disposition. Sakura, this isn't the place for me, Connor whispered as the fox drew near to listen, ears perked. The hyena opened his maw to explain how it felt, like the walls were closing in, squeezing him crushing the life out of him, like the steam was suffocating him, but the commotion was too great. And after all the good things I've said about you, the Martin threw up his arms in an exaggerated display of outrage, his tone far from scathing. In fact, he seemed on the brink of uncomfortable laughter as he sat back atop the shaggy skirt bunched at the badger's feet, let his head rest back against the badger's belly, and rested his arms on the thick thighs on either side of him. You mean like big cuddly bear with the girth of an oak tree, Herakis? The badger hummed, reaching down and affectionately cradling the marten's head in his paw. Mm-hmm, that's the one. The marten cooed and pressed his head against the badger's soft chest. When he turned and shot a curious gaze at Connor, the hyena almost recoiled from the sudden attention. Say, Sakura, don't you have anything good to say about that exotic treat of yours? The expression made Connor's hackles rise. 
It was insulting, but in a way he couldn't quite explain. Like his black-spotted sandy fur made him more of a curiosity than a companion. But as furious as it made him, he bottled it up and kept his muzzle shut. An ugly fate waited him should he turn the Latovi against him. Beside him, Sakura had noticed the raised hackles and the tension in those frightening muscles hidden just beneath a half-starved body. It made his own first stand on end, though more out of surprise than anything else. So, the fox cleared his throat and quickly cut it. Please, he's not exotic and he's not a treat. Connor is a warrior who walks many trails, wild like the wind, explained the fox. As he did, he made sweeping gestures that tried their best to explain the vast distances the hyena had traveled, then sank back with a smirk while he stroked Connor's inner thigh. And breaking him was as fun as breaking in a spirited wild horse. The others were hooked on every word, as if it were a tale of gratuitous bravery in the face of some insurmountable challenge declared by the spirits themselves. But Connor was much less enthralled. Sakura, he growled subtly, while his odd tail began to thump the floor impatiently. In response, the fox firmly squeezed the hyena's thigh, hoping to reassure his mate as he leaned in close. Sakura pressed his lips against those broad and scruffy ears, smacking his lips dry and whispering, They're curious. They are curious. Let me satisfy that, and they will excuse you. Connor huffed out of frustration, nodding once, before he pressed the back of his paw against Sakura and pushed the fox away. The fox silently obliged. It hurt, but he knew Connor cared. He only did this because he cared, and he didn't want to do anything that would hurt Sakura. But the demons had always made that hard. A rugged kind of hunter, eh? Cut in Pamea's booming voice, chin on one knee, lost in thought as he pictured the kind of hyena Connor was in bed. Like, back against the rocks, tongue lathering your member, or a passionate night under an open sky, rolling around in the soft dirt and grass? The lynx mused, trailing off as he became lost in this fantasy he had created. Sounds wonderful, added Harakis softly, almost lost in the fantasy with the lynx, who was his, well, not mate. Rather, the lynx and the marten were simply each other's favorites and very close friends in a sharing-the-same-lavoo-shelter kind of way. The number of times Sakura is asked didn't that count as being mates had so far not met with any further explanation. Betty stinks good, too, slurred the badger as he lowered a jug from his muzzle and spat sour cumis into the fire. It is a bold and impressive claim, but that guine virility boast is rare croaked the otter, unconvinced after his brief appraisal of the claim, as he went on to explain with the usual nostalgia for a prime long past. In all my years I've only met two who I can say for certain like ornery stallions, and one of them is right here with you. 
he claimed and reached down to flick his sheath, which elicited another groan from Connor. Now, now, easy friends. I can tell from those juicy red tips poking out of your sheath that you're hungry for a demonstration, Sakura warned and gestured to the very unashamed collection of erections that were growing around them. But understand, Connor wanders for a reason, and we must respect that. There was a sigh of a disappointed huff, each of the hunters looking to each other with a nod of agreement. They would not get much more tonight, and that had, in all honesty, been clear from the start. But they had tried nonetheless. Be it out of stubbornness or a desire to cheer up their guest, was up to each hunter, and what they had sought from this night. The thought to force things in a certain direction didn't even cross anyone's mind, no matter how rowdy they got nor how much cumus they drank. Such activities were for the hostages they captured, not a welcome guest whose mate was your very kin. Such an act would undoubtedly enrage the spirits, let alone their kin and the fierce warrior who he bedded. And the wrath of the spirits was the last thing anybody, even those of poor reputation, wanted. Thank you all for your enthusiasm, Connor bowed politely, then slowly rose and stood before the sweat lodge's fire. But I must be excused. I don't like leaving Cavalli on his own, he explained as he wiped the sweat from his brow and tugged on the chafing loincloth. Codlin a whelp won't do either of you any good, mumbled Tuki from across the fire, to which Connor flashed an ugly snarl. But a moment later, after prodding the fire with a stick, the otter rose and bowed unsteadily back. You're excused. The snarl left Connor's muzzle, eventually, and after a few farewells, he turned and gathered up his beaver skin boots. Just as quick as he put on the boots and fastened them with gut skins, he was gone. The gathered company watched the entrance to the sweat lodge flap close behind the retreating hyena, and like that, he had vanished into the cold darkness outside. So, Hulet started at Sakura as if he wanted to press the fox against the wall with his gaze alone. Is it as big as you made it out to be? Well, Sakura glanced down into his jug, found all the cumis within it and somehow found its way into him and so decided he might as well. It's scarily big. Sometimes, I'm grateful he takes it instead of giving it. I bet it would feel so good, Pamea amused. Hit the spot in just the right way. Hmm. Well, why don't you train me then, Pamea? Both Sakura and his stiffening shaft enjoyed the warm glow of brashness, driving him on to tease the lynx. I've always kind of fancied having my back against you, and feeling your member between my legs. And you're close to almost as thick as my hyena, even if you're not as long. Sakura let the tip of his bright red tongue taunt the lynx for a moment, much like the tip of something else bright and red also determined to emerge. Could be good practice. Pamea, alas, was too occupied to rise to the bait. You taking a ride on me? 
that'll be quite the sight. I'd almost do it right now if I hadn't promised my prickly little Martin here a good night. The lynx nuzzled the back of the Martin's neck, who had one hand down between the lynx's soft thighs where something else was rising. In that case, you better make me scream for more later. The Martin grinned at Sakura, though he was talking to Pamea. Now this one, Pamea slid an arm around Harakus's slim chest, and the Martin's paw took the invitation to further exploration of the territory behind the lynx's fuzzy orbs. This one's got what matters more than size. Stamina and hunger. Last winter, you remember that blizzard? You going to try to claim you two rutted so much it caused a snowstorm somehow, Tookie snorted. During the blizzard... The lynx voice wrestled its way over the otter's interjection. We were trapped inside for three days, and I had not a thing to do but carve patterns into a mountain goat's leg bone. Well, this one lays his head between my legs and goes to work with his tongue. Took some focus to keep my hand steady, let me tell you. He suckles on me for the whole three days. We only stopped to sleep and melt bowlfuls of snow so we didn't die of thirst. You should see the kind of carvings, Harakas grinned wickedly, that a man starts putting on a bone after two days of having a hungry muzzle around his cock. And you two, Tuki Hurumped, skeptical, didn't feel any need to eat these three days. I can't speak for him, Harakas said. But I had plenty in my belly. The otter grimaced the way a hunter does when he walked into a trap and knows it. I don't know, Hulette rumbled from beside the steamy rocks. If a hunter can be trusted to give an honest account of his mate. Hunters brag, after all, and a man naturally wants to flatter the man he's mated to. Makes it hard to believe the things either of you... The badger's eyes darted between Sakura and Pamea. Say about your lovers. I prefer to trust what I've seen myself. Thank you. We all know, Sakura sniffed, how much you prefer to see everything yourself. And more so, Rakas bristled. We're not mated. If you found a way, Hewlett clicked his tongue. To spend three days with a man's cock in your mouth without coming out mated to him after, then that's an even taller tale than claiming to have sucked his cock for three days. Already forgetting the time, purred Pamea, that he came in your eye. That sounds like something a mated man would do to you. Oh, I never let a man being mated already stop me, Hewlett grinned. We know. Tookie barked and clapped the badger on the back. I'm just saying. The badger blinked at the effort it took to push it through the kumis-induced fog and discovered what, in fact, he was saying. Being able to spend a night in the bed of whatever male wants me that night, that's the life. Some hunter's mate, she isn't interested tonight. No job. I know how to take care of that. Some fool of a gatherer gave away his firewood 
and now he's in for a cold night? Well, I can keep you warm, a pair of my fellow. How'd you put it, Tookie? The thing about not putting whelps in anyone's belly, the otter tilted his head. No, that was Herakas, said Sakura. No, something about being the ones who don't get distracted. The badger finished. The company shrugged. Well, two of us have room for a third, for a night. Even if one of them does get his spend in your eye. Oh? Pamea growled drearily. I wonder who he could be talking about. But that's the thing, Hillette finished. Is it lets me live without distractions like Tookie said, I'm pretty sure. I don't need to talk about how big my man's shaft is after he leaves without showing it himself. I don't need to make up stories about three-day fucks. I don't have to speak for anybody but me. And any man who doesn't believe what I say about me, well, he's welcome to take me to bed and see for himself. Sounds like you got an idea or two. Tookie leaned back on the bundles of sweet grass and sharp-smelling cedar strips that served as seats, arced his back, and spread his arms as if to stretch, and certainly not to show off his still stocky and solidly muscled body. But I'm not convinced you young studs don't all still have a thing or two to learn. From our elders, Herakas chirped. From a man with more experience, Tookie smirked. Soccer, you got a big, thick, beautiful chunk of man like that, but you can't get him inside you? Herakas, you call just holding a cock between your lips for three days a feat? I guess it's impressive, but that's not going to turn into a knot, but a chore soon enough. Hewlett, you best be sure you're good enough in bed to make putting you there worth it. I've never said that, Sakura bemoaned, and shattered the mood which the otter had so carefully created. He's just shy and doesn't like strangers, and besides, I'm the one who puts it in him. He added with no small amount of offense. The fox turned up his nose, then folded his arms and legs, with no desire to continue this insult to his prowess. You, on top of him, the graying otter cocked his head to the side. A smirk stretched across his muzzle on the verge of laughter. But he's built like a bear, and you... You look like a scrawny birch tree fox. Looks can be deceiving. You of all hunters should know that, Sakura grumbled back dispassionately. But he couldn't help watching the otter, his eyes aglow, like he could see prey through the darkness. It sent a tingle up his spine. Looks like you've got something to prove, boomed the voice of the badger. Its sound drew the attention of both the fox and the otter, who turned their heads at once with curious expressions. And we still need a show, Pamea heckled with curled toes. Sakura gulped and twisted his head back to Tuki, then at the eager-faced Martin, Lynx, and Badger, and then back at Tuki. This hardly seemed like a sound plan, and frankly, a night with a motor and pestle would do less damage to the old otter scout. The fox paused and shuddered at the thought, 
only to raise his head and see Tookie's burning eyes fixed upon him once again. By the spirits, they were really going to do this, weren't they? What's the matter, Sakura? The otter asked with a chuckle that seemed to rattle his chest, clearly having noticed the fox's maw hung open in surprise. You look hungry like that. Perhaps you care to wrap your lips around some firmer meat tonight. When it came to Min, the only folks Sakura had ever betted were his beloved hyena and that lump of a wolf that was his chief, both of which were his age mates, or thereabouts, within five or so summers. He had never looked upon the few older Lentovi in that way. Not ever, and yet... Tookie stirred something in his lungs. Perhaps it was the sinewy body, not too strong, but not just skin and bones. Perhaps it was the way he spoke, dirty, with a well-trained tongue capable of many tricks. Perhaps it was even that thong, which he never appeared to wear anything more than. Sakura really couldn't say and yet something in him wanted to at least be close with Tuki, to smell his scent and to feel the bristle of that cold, gray fur against his nose. Maybe it was just some instinct, or even the will of spirit. Perhaps he saw something of Sana in him, and the fox had always wanted to try with Sana. Though, despite being open to just about anyone, the shaman was elusive when it came to intimacy. You've boasted a lot, the fox replied after some thought. But can you really live up to your claims? His lips flashed a coy smile, and his legs unfurled slightly, a show of interest, but not quite acceptance of the offer. But it was enough for Tuki, and the otter's hungry smile widened while his eyes seemed to glow brighter. I think you and I need to go somewhere more private. Tookie cooed as he reached out his bony fingers. Gently, he ran them through the lush fur on the fox's chest. It felt wonderful, and at his touch, Sakura knew he wanted the otter. He wanted him in that way only two men of their disposition could want each other, and he could smell that Tookie wanted him just as much. Tookie's gentle caress made his spine tingle, and the lust that followed was almost supernatural. So, in a sign of agreement, he slowly lifted one paw and gently took hold of Tuki's paw. He still had his reservations, and they were certainly numerous. When the cock wakes up, it has no eyes to care about looks or ears to care what anyone's going to say. When he'd heard it as a young hunter, it'd been meant as a warning. But as a man grown, he supposed he had a different interpretation. Hey, but... The lynx began to complain, but Tookie was having none of it. Ach! The otter growled and shoved his palm in the lynx's face. Stroke each other off if you're that desperate to see something. This was the first of two parts of Bragging Right by Sakura Fox and Rob McQuill. Read for you by Dirt Coyote, lately of Twitter.com. Tune in next time. 
to find out why Tuki is so insistent on privacy. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.